This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's the show all about your animals and the animals around you. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. Today, the doors to the pet hospital are wide open, and all pet day, we're looking for your pet questions. From dogs to cats and everything in between, phone lines tend to fill up quickly during pet shows, so don't hesitate to give us a call or email your questions for Dr. Major. And if you've had any recent wildlife encounters, we always like to hear those as well. To join the conversation, just give us a phone call. The number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven. 672-7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. If you ever miss Creature Comforts on Thursdays, it repeats every Saturday morning at 6. So good morning, Dr. Major. Hope you're doing well this morning. Good morning. Doing good. Thank um, you. One thing I was thinking of is, uh, you know, I, I went to the clinic to get my cat uh, his uh, annual checkup a couple weeks ago. And I'm always amazed that, you know, the number of people waiting in the in the waiting room with dogs and that sort of thing, that there never seems to be too many, you know, bad encounters of dogs kind of going after each other. I know when I was there, there was kind of one bad actor that you put in the, the side door. But I'm thinking about, you know, a vet's office or when they do that, uh, sometimes at a baseball game, they have bark in the park where people are allowed to bring dogs. Why aren't there more kind of encounters? What, what How do dogs usually act when they encounter other dogs they've never seen before? Good question, and and it can vary so much. Uh, We usually know the dogs that are going to be an issue, uh, and the owner knows that the dogs can be an issue sometimes, and they may wait outside in the car or truck and uh, wait till uh, their appointment time comes up. Uh, You have to be careful. There's some very large dogs that come in. Uh, One or two of our patients have to be sedated actually to examine and treat they're just that that way uh and could harm either people in in the waiting room or could harm uh, a technician or myself but in general they get along quite well uh dogs are you know they they're somewhat of obviously uh, out of a pack situation there but they still respect other dogs usually the ones that bark the most are the little ones <laughs> Uh, the Chihuahuas, the uh, Yorkies, uh, maybe Shih Tzus, they, they may be a little uh, thinking that a good uh, defense is a, you know, an offense, mm-hmm. and they have to go bark and all that. But in general, everything gets along quite well. Uh, cats uh, certainly need to be kept in a carrier uh, when you're going to the clinic for several reasons. One, if you have the cat loose in the car, it could cause an accident. We've seen where uh, cats gotten under the brake pedal uh, or jumped on your head when you're driving <laughs> down down the road. So that and sometimes under the seat, it's really hard to pry out a cat that's really scared that gets in under a seat. So these are all things that just common sense. But it, it's good to have a, a substantial carrier. We sure don't want a cat uh, getting uh, out and running free. Uh, as they come into the clinic, that could be disaster. Yeah, fortunately, my cat, uh, you know, first couple of times I brought him in, he he would be very vocal going over there uh, and seemed to be a little nervous. But the last time, you know, it's a little bit of a struggle when he sees I'm trying to put him in his carrier. We have a little bit of a battle. But uh, <laughs> this last time, I you know, I thought he was fairly well behaved. He was the only cat in the waiting room. So right. uh, maybe he knew he was outnumbered and, and the best uh, <laughs> idea well, was to lay low. Right. But, he's, uh, he's certainly been good. 
you know, the the uh, funny thing about uh, cats and carriers, uh, a lot of people comment on how much of a struggle they had at home, but usually they, when they're through with their exam or vaccination, <laughs> they usually run right back into their carrier. And for the cat, it is a place of security, uh, even though they may resist at home. This is Creature Comforts, and today it's an all-pet day with Dr. Troy Major. So if you have a question about your pet, you can email the show, animals at mpbonline.org, or give us a call. The phone number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 We do have a caller on the line, so uh, we'll uh, talk to uh, Terry, who's called in from Tupelo this morning. Good morning, Terry. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Good morning, guys. Uh, you know, uh, vet clinics might want to do what my church does. I'm Catholic, and we have crying rooms for unruly children. <laughs> yes. So you might want to have, like, a separate room for these dogs and cats. <laughs> Good idea. Thank you. Uh, I do have a question about bald eagles. Um, I sit, you know, I don't know why I've seen so many in the last, Five years, but I was last week driving down I-55, and it was in that kind of Goodman exit, uh, Canton exit area in the woods, of course. But I saw one, and I was I was wondering, are they around here now, or was I imagining that I saw one? And one day I saw one right in the median of Highway 25 as you turn from Louisville to Starkville. Wow. So it was just crazy. You know, we, we usually think that uh, these wild animals, eagles included, go to a food source. So there should be a lake probably somewhere nearby. Uh, they love uh, to do the fish. Uh, you'll see them actually swoop down and catch uh, either shad or lo- other larger fish sometime. But uh, they seem to be quite plentiful now, and they're quite, there's, I don't know how many nests, but there's more than one nest out on the reservoir out in that area. So uh, they've really made a comeback over the years. I can remember when, uh, a long time ago, we never saw an eagle. And, uh, yeah, you know, I, when I was growing I'm in my 50s. When I was growing up, I did a lot of hunting and a lot of fishing and never saw any. And with, I'd say within the last 10 to 15 years, I've seen a tremendous amount more of them. And uh, hopefully they're making a comeback. They really have. And uh, I appreciate your telling us about where you spotted that. You said that was close to Canton that you saw You know, one? it was probably 10 to 12 miles from the reservoir, so okay. he may have just been out cruising. True. And, uh, Terry, we had an eagle expert on one of our recent shows. If you wanted to go back and try to listen to that, you can always find previous shows at mpbonline.org slash creature comfort. So had a good eagle discussion a couple of weeks ago that you might want to go ahead and, and re-listen to that. We appreciate your call. Uh, this is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Why don't we go ahead and stay on the phone lines? Next up, it's Wayne, who's called in from Tennessee. Wayne, you're on the air with us, so go ahead, please. Uh, yes, sir. I, uh, about three years ago, I caught a little feral kitten out in the middle of nowhere, and I brought it home. I'm the only human that's really been around. Uh, she's really skittish for everybody and everything, but uh, she's uh, just as healthy as she can be. She eats, eats, and plays, and has, and you know, runs all through the house. But about the last month, she started losing her hair on both sides. So I was wondering if they might have an idea what it might be. So she's just uh, licking the hair off, right? 
Yes, sir. What about what about underneath in the abdomen groin area? Is she looking there and removing hair as well? Uh, yeah, around her tail and right, her hind quarters. Right. Yes, sir. Right. This may be a condition uh, called miliary dermatitis. I don't know if she has little bumps uh, that appear, uh, you know, on the skin. You might feel mm-hmm. of her, feel around her neck as well. Uh, uh-huh. Some people call this fur mowing, and the cat tongue is very good at removing hair, and they can get it right down to the skin. Uh, in most cases, uh, in treating that, it can recur from time to time. It may be seasonal. Uh, I would consult with your veterinarian. Uh, steroids may be indicated in this case uh, simply to give the cat some relief and stop this. Uh, it does, uh, in, in a lot of the cats, it, it can recur uh, over time. So I would get the cat to your vet and let let them look at her. But uh, she okay. seems to be in good health other than that, right? Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I have another cat, and they play and, and you know, just tear the house apart. <laughs> okay. Have, they really have a good time. Uh, but I, I really never notice her licking herself. Right. Just every now and then she'll, you know, start licking her, right. licking the her other- side or something and the other thing would be to make sure there are no fleas. Uh, that's uh, sometimes just one or two fleas will set set a cat off as far as licking. Uh, and there may be something else going on, such as a hormonal issue. But uh, I would think it'd be wise to get to your vet, get her to your vet and uh, have her checked out. Okay, I'll have to see if I can get her in a cage. Okay. Uh, I tried to put her in her cat box the other day, and I, I like to pull back a bloody nub. She, just, uh, she well, just goes crazy when she. Like I said, I'm the only human that she'll really let pet her. Right. And, maybe and maybe everything. put a little food in there for a few days and see if she starts eating. Uh, that might be a way to entice her into the uh, carrier or box. Okay. All right, Wayne. Thanks uh, for your call. So basically, what's happening there, I guess, is. Uh, the they their skin bothers them and the licking and then the fur comes off because they're trying to clean up what's what's itching I guess or something. Yes, and it's difficult to actually tell him without seeing the cat exactly right. what's going on. But uh, there are quite a few cats that have some skin issues. I know when I've had poison ivy, sometimes even humans, it's hard to prevent yourself from scratching wherever you're itching. Hey, we need to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue taking your pet questions. If you have one for Dr. Major, it's 1-877-MPB-RING, 1-877-672-7464. Fletch is on the line. We'll get to his call and your call after this, so stay tuned. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major. And today we're taking your pet questions. So if you have a question for Dr. Major about your pet, you can give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. Send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. On the line, we've got Fletch from Jackson. Good morning, Fletch. Go ahead. Good morning. Uh, comment on Bald Eagle, but a quick question on the last call kind of a nature-nurture question, I guess. Since that kitten 
was feral, is it ever possible that it kind of breaks that that public phobia? Good question. Uh, some cats will, but I suspect that this cat will always have a fear of other people. Uh, that's just based on what I've seen before. So that would be hard to hard to break that with other people. It sounds like the cat is perfectly fine with him. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Um, on the bald eagle topic, uh, I saw the one that y'all are probably aware of on 49 near the Yazoo Bells uh, Humphreys County line. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, come through there a couple times a month and seen it a few times, not not super frequently. But yesterday, uh, or the day before, when it was pretty decent weather, uh, this dude was in the tree other than its nest tree with that huge nest in it, but still right there on 49, top of the tree, just as majestic right. uh, with the sun shining on it as, hmm. as you can imagine. Very beautiful birds, I guarantee you. That's, that's great. I'm glad you saw that. And, and that uh, guy's just kind of hanging out for all to see. It's not like it's way <laughs> off the beaten path. He knew what he was doing. <laughs> anyway. All right, Fletch, thanks for the call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a pet question for Dr. Major or a brush with wildlife that you'd like to share with us, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So fortunately for residents in central Mississippi, Pearl River flooding is less of a concern. I think uh, south of here, there's still a bit of a concern. But for the most part, I think uh, we've uh, sort of uh, passed over that uh, emergency situation. But it brings to mind, you know, when we have something like that and you you plan for the next one, and certainly there are emergency things that uh, humans should do. But when we think about our pets, Dr. Major, are there some things, maybe an emergency kit or things that we should keep on hand in case another situation arises where we might need to, you know, evacuate or that sort of thing and take a pet with us? Absolutely. And uh, have a contingency plan for your pet. Uh, It's good to have, uh, let's not talk about human uh, things that we need, but for the pet, uh, I would say several days supply of food, uh, a shot record, so you Mm -hmm. would be able to show what kind of shots, and also some identification. It'd be great if you had a collar on uh, a dog or cat that would have at least uh, some ID, uh, uh, maybe your vet's uh, phone number or something like that. But uh, some people choose not to put their own phone number on a collar. But I would I would say that that would be a good idea to have that and uh, just uh, be prepared. Um, as far as the cats are concerned, very important to have a carrier or two if you have multiple cats um, simply because you don't want to be leaving in an emergency and have the cat uh, really get away possibly. But we need to plan ahead. And I think uh, much as you would plan, you know, uh, have a kit easily accessible for for your needs, again, just create that one for your pet and have it all in the same location. So, again, if need to, uh, you know, because especially with flooding, sometimes you don't have a whole lot of time uh, to figure out what to do. You need to go quickly. So uh, have things ready for your pets as well as yourself so that you don't have to worry. You know, you have enough to worry about when there's a natural disaster, uh, much less having to uh, have pet worries on top of that. Just like with people, medication is important. If your pet is on medications, uh, certainly you need to have some of those available to pack uh, in case of an emergency. 
All right. Uh, we've got another caller on the line. Now we're going to say good morning to Terry, who's called in today. Good morning, Terry. Go ahead, please. Good morning. I have a large breed dog. He's a Great Dane St. Bernard mix, and he's short-haired. But he sheds an awful lot, and so I'm looking to change his food and wondering what you would recommend to, to help him shed. Thanks, Terry. This is a, a question that a lot of people have about shedding. And uh, it may be the food. On the other hand, a lot of the mixed breed dogs seem to shed more than others. But my question to you, are we losing hair in any specific spot? Or do we have bald spots? No, we don't okay. have bald spots. Okay. It sheds a lot okay. when you pet them. Right. Uh, good grooming, uh, brushing, which is hard to do for a lot of times. But a good brushing or combing uh, at least once a week would help with that. Most dogs shed uh, more in certain times of the year, but my dog sheds year-round. Uh, she's a big dog. She's got white hair, so it shows up everywhere on anything <laughs> black. But uh, what food are you feeding now? I guess it would be a good question to Well, ask. I just bought from the co-op, uh, I think it's called Earthborn, and it has salmon in it. I was using a sport mix from the co-op, right. high-protein. Right. But I've decided uh, to change that. Well, the Earthborn foods are excellent foods, uh, and you just bought that. I don't know that yeah, that's going to make a lot of difference as far as the shedding, but you will see in some of the breeds, and with a mixed breed, it's really going to be hard to tell, but a lot of the dogs will shed more during seasonal changes uh, going into spring and then also in the fall. Some dogs shed a lot during the fall type thing, getting a yeah. new coat. Uh, good brushing, uh, that helps. And here I am talking. I've got one that's got to be brushed. Uh, <laughs> I need to go home tonight and and take care of that. But anyway, right. good luck to that. But I don't know of a way to tell you. They do sell products. One is low shed, no shed. But if you read the directions, they all say put it on and then brush and comb. So I think okay. brushing and combing probably is your best bet. Okay, well, I'll just keep on doing that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thanks, Terry, for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Next, we've got Kay, who's called in from Memphis. Good morning, Kay. Good morning. Uh, you're sort of off of the subject now, but this morning, while I was still lying in bed trying to decide if I wanted to get up and face the day, because <laughs> okay. uh, my radio stays on, on this station 24-7, so anyway. Very good. They told the, they told the story of um, um, I, I think it was an eagle. Anyway, it had been found down somewhere and had been reported, and someone went out to see about it and determined that it had just killed some prey that was more than it could eat, and it had eaten all it could and was just sitting there by it and could not fly because it was so stuffed. <laughs> okay. Isn't that humorous? So they just moved it over out of the way, give it some privacy, and right. said, well, he'll just have to wait till it goes through him. So anyway. I think I've had that feeling once or twice myself. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway. But I, I thought that was humorous. That it was. A bird would actually eat more than it could consume and, and be able to fly properly. But they put it where it would be safe. Right. And I guess it's okay. So. Since you, since you were talking about birds this morning, Very eagle, good. I, I think it was an eagle. So anyway, all right. I just want to add, add a little humor to it. All right, Kay, thanks for calling. Yeah, that uh, If an eagle had a belt, he'd probably have to loosen it up <laughs> after uh, that kind of a meal. Uh, let's stay on the phone lines. Next, we're going to go to Columbus. Kathy's called in today. Good morning, Kathy. Good 
Good morning. Uh, I have a pet question. I babysit for a kitten that's been declawed, and I'm considering getting another cat of my own, and I've never had a declawed cat and don't plan to declaw any of my cats, and I'm just concerned what might happen if the two of them started to mix it up. It sounds like it would be kind of an unequal battle. In general, they uh, work things out, and we have, uh, I know, mixed uh, households, if you will, with clawed and undeclawed and usually they they do quite well anytime you put a new cat or a kitten together with your other one there may be a period of uh some uh what shall i say uh, adjustment i would keep the clawed cat's nails trimmed as best you can uh you can use a just a regular toenail clipper or whatever uh to trim those back just to keep the sharp points off and certainly offer a scratching post for that cat. You'll notice also that the declawed cat may use a scratching post as well. Uh, they they like to rub like that and act like they actually have claws. So I think you should be okay with that. So if I adopt, should I try to get a cat closer to the age of the one that I babysit for? That would be better. Uh, and the other thing that we see, uh, I'm always concerned and this is something you have to consider. A lot of times we see some cat-dog accidents where a cat will actually claw, especially uh, dogs that have a prominent eye and you get an ulceration or a laceration on the eye itself. So uh, there are some things that you could do. Uh, you, there's a thing called soft paws that you can actually put on the paws. Uh, they usually last about a month. Uh, and you can administer those yourself if you wanted to, if you needed to. But I think they'll work it out. It should be fine, okay? All right. Thank you very much. Yes, ma'am. Thanks, Kathy, for your call. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day, so Dr. Major's here ready for your pet questions. The phone number to call if you have a question for us is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show as well. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. And we have a couple of emails here to go to. Uh, This first one says, I give my 25-pound terrier mix a little 2% cow milk as an occasional treat. Is soy milk, almond milk, or flaxseed milk okay to give to dogs? Well, I realize that there's every kind of milk now that you can imagine. Uh, Sometimes when I go to the uh, grocery store and look, you can't even find the regular milk. There's (laughs) so many different brands. I would say this, that a small amount, try it and see. There's nothing wrong with doing in moderation. I would, whether it's uh, soy, flax, uh, or almond milk, I really don't have a preference with that. And I don't think it would be a problem to give small amounts of any of those. Have you ever heard of dogs drinking milk? That uh, that seems kind of unusual to me. Well, everybody thinks about cats drinking milk, but uh, dogs, I mean, for example, dogs love ice cream. Yeah, and uh, a lot of people share their ice cream with their dogs. Uh, again, moderation is important. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would not recommend any large amounts of milk or ice cream. Uh, for dogs or cats. All right, let's get one more in before our next break. And this one says, My cat gave birth to one kitten Sunday night, but no more have come. The mom is taking care of the kitten, eating, using the litter box like usual, but she still looks and feels pregnant. Could she still have more kittens on the way? 
This is a possibility uh, I have seen, and we don't know how long, how long ago did this cat have kid. It says Sunday night, but we don't okay. know when You're the right. email was sent. Yeah, I think the thing that I would think of is that number one, she's nursing this kitten. She is uh, eating, going about her business. It's possible that she could deliver another kitten, uh, but she doesn't seem to be distressed. And uh, I'm really thinking that probably she's through. But uh, if that persists and she still has a question, it'd be good to see her vet and possibly have an ultrasound or x-ray done if there's any doubt. All right. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. It's an all-pet day, so Dr. Major's here ready to take your pet questions. If you have one, give us a call at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. We do have another uh, email to get to and your phone calls. It all comes up after this, so stay tuned. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. Each week, myself or one of my fellow hosts bring you in-depth interviews with different creative Mississippians. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio, or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. Welcome back. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson. It's an all-pet day, so we're taking your pet questions. Uh, And also, if you have a brush with wildlife you'd like to share with us, we always like to hear those as well. The phone lines are open, so give us a call if you have a pet question at 1-877-MPB-RING. It's 1-877-672-7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Here's another email we receive, and it says, I have two older dogs, a 17-year-old Border Terrier and a 12-year-old Irish Terrier. Could you address some aspects of how to deal with older dogs? For example, my Border Terrier is almost blind, although he can see shadows. I can walk uh, I can walk him, but he seems to get lost and ends up standing in the corner sometimes for long periods of time until I notice. He's incontinent sometimes. Uh, he's healthy and eats okay, but I wonder if he'll remember sometimes where to get his water. I have to carry him in and out because stairs are dangerous for him. I just don't know what I'll do when my larger dog gets to this point as well. Well, this is always a question that it's a good question. And uh, it, our dogs generally, dogs and cats, are living longer. Uh, we we do have uh, dogs that are in the 17 to 20-year range and cats even over 20 sometimes. But uh, this dog may be suffering some... Uh, Dementia, this is possible. Uh, certainly the eyes, uh, as they get older, certainly they started developing cataracts probably, you know, years ago. And now it sounds like they're probably pretty well uh, developed. I wouldn't recommend uh, surgery or anything like that. Uh, using, as far as the other dog, and using, and for this dog, I suspect there's arthritis involved uh, in any uh, dog this age. They may want to be giving a supplement which could help uh, with that and help move around. Uh, I'm sure this person, if the dogs are this old and in good shape generally, uh, that they've consulted with their veterinarian 
about what to do. There are some medications that may help with the senility issues and also with the incontinence. Uh, always uh, think in terms of, one, is there a urinary tract infection or is it more of a mechanical type thing where they're actually losing the ability or the tone of the bladder uh, sphincter? So these are things that they need to discuss with their vet. Sounds like this is a very conscientious pet owner, and uh, my thinking would be that she needs they she or he need to keep this uh, animal as comfortable as possible for as long as possible, and be in uh, consultation with your vet. All right, very good. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a pet question for Doctor Major, it's one eight seven seven MPB ring. It's one eight seven seven. Six seven two seven four six four. Uh, you know, we've uh, mentioned on the show that uh, due to the somewhat mild winters, comparatively for Mississippi, that flea control is something that pet owners really need to worry about or be concerned with uh, throughout the year. And there are a number of different ways to control pets, uh, to control fleas. That is through pills, collars, topical applications. Uh, any recommendations on which one to go, or is it sort of those whichever one seems to be working bet, best for your particular animal? That's a good question, and I, I think the main thing we need to do is, number one, the efficacy of the uh, medication that you're giving, whether it's a, a pill, a chewable-type pill, or a topical, or a collar. And the other thing is uh, some animals are sensitive to one type of uh, flea control, and so, and others may not be, so... Use what's working for you. It does seem that in some medications that fleas become resistant uh, to certain types of uh, medication. Some of the older ones that have been out, there are areas where fleas have developed resistance and may not respond. Uh, And when you have a severe overload of fleas, it may be wise to uh, double up, if you will, most of these last supposedly 30 days. Uh, they may be losing efficacy after about 24, 25 days, so you may need to increase the frequency a little bit. Again, follow the directions. Uh, it's very important. And always remember that with cats and dogs, you need to know that uh, cats can tolerate the medication you're putting on them. They're a lot more sensitive to uh, flea control type things than in many cases than dogs are. And some of the dog medication or flea control uh, might cause toxicity in the cat. All right, so make sure it's dogs for dogs and cats for cats there. Right. Uh, would it be a good idea maybe just periodically to change so that, that you know, they don't, uh, the, the efficacy and all that, you know, it's not, it's not something fleas would get used to, so maybe periodically change up the, what you're using? It wouldn't hurt to do that. I still say, I guess, what's working, I wouldn't change it if, if, if it's working. Okay. Uh, Back uh, early on, years and years ago, when flea control really was just beginning, stuff other than dips, which were quite toxic, uh, that sort of thing, uh, there was one uh, product that actually uh, actually killed the egg or the ability for the egg to reproduce or it didn't develop. That did not kill the adult fleas that were there, but it actually cut down on the numbers. And a lot of people still ask for that particular product because it was working for them. And uh, these are things that uh, change, just like there's been tremendous change in, in dog and cat foods. 
Uh, I know my cat uh, has done really well with the Brevecto. It's one of the topical ones, and I, it lasts for about three months. So um, I've I've actually developed a, a, a hab or a system for sneaking up on him, and <laughs> it's a little bit of a battle there because once he realized w- what I'm doing, uh, he does not like it. And of course, as soon as I put it on him, he'll run off. But uh, again, I think we've we've developed a, a truce on that, so he he'll come around uh, afterwards. And I always try to give him a little pile of treats. Uh, when he's done with that. But, you know, to me, only kind of the difficult part is you're supposed to try to get it sort of in the back of his neck there. And sometimes, you know, trying to hold him down with one hand while squirting that stuff on him in another uh, is a little bit of a challenge. But uh, again, it's certainly worth it because uh, it really has made a difference uh, for my cat. Uh, that's for sure. There's some great uh, cartoons or uh, things on online about you know, giving a cat a pill, giving a cat a bath, or even a dog, and some of those are pretty hilarious. Uh, and it's difficult a lot of times to do this by yourself, uh, just to have the confidence of the cat. And when you start doing that, then you find out that maybe they were not too willing for this procedure. <laughs> uh, my brother has a cat who needs thyroid medication, so he takes a pill, I think, a couple of times a week. Uh, and it's an indoor-outdoor cat that his, both of his cats are, and this one is the one that primarily stays outside, and he's not mean but not overly friendly either. But it's amazing that uh, he's discovered a little way to do it, and that cat uh, takes that pill without a problem. So I think, again, sort of like uh, the flea medicine, if you hit on something that works, uh, just keep right. doing it that way. Very good. Got some open phone lines on this pet day. Mm-hmm. If you have a pet question for Dr. Major, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring Our phone number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. Here's another email that we got, and it says, A little puppy found us about three weeks ago. She looks to be in pretty good condition. I'm feeding her science diet puppy food according to packaging directions. She's a small mix with a really good sniffer. Every time I feed her, she gobbles her food down so quickly, she's actually gulping and coughing. I've started giving her very small amounts and making her sit in between. I would have thought by now she knows that she'll get fed. Uh, We're feeding her four times each day. I'd like to eventually leave food out for her, but I'm afraid she would bloat if I give her free reign. Any suggestions? Well. And, you know, we see this in some of the shelter dogs. Uh, they, They think this is going to be their last meal. And they wolf it down very rapidly. A lot of these dogs have been either on the road or neglected. And uh, they have this thing about uh, not eating slow, not chewing their food, if you will. Uh, There are some dishes and containers that uh, are designed to slow down the fast eater. Uh, They have like knobs or protrusions that kind of hides the food, or at least the dog has to work at it. And it gives a little bit longer. Most dogs learn how to eat pretty rapidly out of that. This may be a habit that does not change drastically. And it may be one of the dogs that you don't need to leave food out all along. Most dogs do quite well uh, on twice-a-day feeding. Uh, And this is a puppy. Certainly, you could continue doing what you're doing right now. But might try one of those bowls that uh, actually makes the dog work a little bit. Uh, for its food. Uh, the other thing I've seen, they're a little bit expensive, uh, I think around $100, maybe a little bit cheaper, but it's a it's a, a thing that has a timer on it. And so, you know, at a certain time each day, 
the the bin opens and the and the dog can get to its food and then it's it's you know got some sort of uh, you know lazy susan sort of thing to where it only allows the the access to the food you know at certain times of the day and so that might be something maybe that they uh, could try to invest in as well and that although i guess i would think then maybe the dog would at those particular times would still be gobbling down the food yeah i'm thinking uh, thinking that i can just visualize <laughs> A dog or a dog and a cat sitting there trying to figure out how to crack the code <laughs> <laughs> and make the food come on their, on their demand. But that's, that is an interesting uh, type of equipment, yeah. Um, we are looking for your pet questions at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 You can email the show at animals at mpbonline.org. Looks like we got a call coming in. We'll get to that call and your call if you have a pet, a pet question for Dr. Major. Uh, so stay tuned. I'm Allison Walker, the lady auto mechanic host of autocorrect if you're enjoying this podcast try my podcast autocorrect we help steer you in the right direction with your car problems find me on any podcast platform or at autocorrect.mpvonline.org this is creature comforts on mpb think radio kevin farrell here with dr troy major from the animal medical center in jackson it's an all pet day today so we've been taking your pet questions and still time uh, to call in with your question if you have one the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring it's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four we've gotten a number of emails today as well you can send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Back to the phone lines we go, off to Gulfport. Jennifer is on the line. Good morning, Jennifer. Go ahead. Hi. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I believe my cat had a seizure, and I'm just having trouble finding anything online. Um, he had a bad ear infection, and I was uh, massaging this prescription, Momotamix, mm-hmm. and um, maybe about a week later, it was kind of in the middle of the night, his front paws went in this, you know, kind of goal post position. He uh-huh. let out this weird meow. He started drooling, and he, um, he went to the bathroom on himself. Okay. And then shortly after that, he got up and he seemed fine. And I have never seen that before. I looked at, at first I thought stroke because of the drooling. Um, but I really just don't know what happened. He's, he's old. He's probably about 13 or 14. What do you think? happened do you think it's related to the medication yes have you witnessed another another type seizure no okay so this is the first and only one that you know of you know there's several things that might enter in and certainly it could be that there's some sensitivity with that uh, middle ear when i say middle ear the thing one of the things that we have to kind of be careful of treating would be if the eardrum tympanic membrane is intact uh, certainly uh, medication uh, could cause some issues uh, if in fact that uh, eardrum is not intact 
I would okay. not uh, pursue any medication or anything like that. You need to talk to your vet. And uh, I would say that is the ear has the ear cleared up as far as the treatment that you're doing? Yes, and I'm yeah. still just doing the, I mean, it. I have to do this for 10 days. Okay. So we're almost um, done with it. Right. And uh, I would say that it may be a one-time thing. If it does occur again, you definitely need to get some help from your vet. There are medications that can be given, but you'd rather not have to give medication uh, for this. I would hope that it's a one-time thing. Yeah, uh, and, I and have he seen... is getting older. Like that's that's something that I read that right. you know older cats are more prone to this. I just hope it's not a continuing you know... thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, well, best best of luck with it, Jennifer. And I sure hope that uh, hope that your cat does good. What's your cat's name? Uh, Minu. And you, do you think that was a seizure? Does that fit? It sounds. It or... it kind of fits the uh, parameter of what I'd call a seizure. Uh, okay. Quite often, uh, now, uh, sometimes in a seizure in a cat can be a violent thing and can be quite frightening almost, especially if the cat's in bed with you. And, well, he did not move at all. Right. So that, know, that's a little bit just... different than what I would think with a, uh epileptic-type seizure in a cat. Usually the fur stands out. Uh, they may squall or scream and usually fall over on their side. However, all seizures are not the same, and this certainly could have been a seizure, uh, and I, I would respect that. Uh, if he does it again, you really need to get him in and have him checked over, okay? Okay, thank you very much. Take care. Thanks, Jennifer, for your call. Let's move on next. We've got uh, Lewis on the line. Lewis, you're on the air with us. Go ahead, please. Uh, good morning. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Um, a friend of mine recently told me that, um, that possums will pick up ticks and then uh, kill them or eat them when they groom themselves. And I, I wonder if that's true and if there, there are other things that possums or other animals um, will pick up on, like maybe even fleas, and destroy them. Just by being in the area, they would diminish the amount of uh, dangerous uh, you know, ticks and things you have in the area. Right. I've heard that, yes, uh, possums will, will eat, well, they'll eat most anything, but uh, as far as the fleas, I think they could be a source of fleas uh, for your your pets, uh, dogs or cats. I would say though that uh, the tick thing, if they can, if they will eat the ticks, there's plenty of ticks. If you've got deer in the area uh, or cattle uh, nearby, there's going to be plenty of ticks there, uh, and the possums may be able to help some. Maybe we need to talk to our uh, wildlife expert about that next time they're on. But uh, good point, and certainly I hope that they will eat the ticks, okay? Well, I guess that's sort of a plus or minus if that's true. Yeah. But it, you, know, you can't confirm or deny that, can you, on the tick thing? Well, I think that I can't, but there may be a wildlife expert that we can have and we'll, uh, we have periodically and we'll ask and, and see. I appreciate well, your call. I good reason not to kill possums. <laughs> right. Right. Well, I, yeah, they're there. They're there in your yard for a food source, probably not whether they're eating around a bird feeder or uh, eating cat or dog food, but uh, they're, they're pretty unique creatures. And no, I would not kill them. Uh, I think that would be wrong. I like them myself, but as you know, a lot of people don't like them. <laughs> 
So, Lewis, also, uh, if you don't mind on a follow-up, if you could send us an email to animals at mpbonline.org. We'll get Libby maybe to uh, talk to some of her contacts in the wildlife uh, department and see if we can't get some more information on that for you. But we appreciate you calling in this morning. This is Creature Comforts on MPB Think Radio. Still time for you to work in your pet question at one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You can email the show. Send it to animals at mpbonline.org. So, you know, Dr. Major, I think when we get questions on pet day, we know that most pet owners are really in tune into their pet's behavior and that sort of thing and, and, and know when something's gone wrong. But are there some some signs of potential illness that maybe a pet owner sometimes overlook and that, that, that we maybe need to remind them to be aware of? You know, a lot of times it's change in disposition. Um, in appetence, we see a fair number of dogs and cats that come to the clinic because it's just an ADR. They aren't doing right. And uh, they, the owners pick up on that. And uh, I think it's very important as an observer to, if things go on for 24 hours or more, you know that there's probably something wrong. All right, good. So that's kind of a, a, a good uh, um time period if something uh for more than a day if that behavior that's out of the ordinary continues or they're having some sort of symptoms that may be the time to and of course vomiting and diarrhea might be more of an immediate problem if the dog is acting or cat is acting sick so uh, i would say that those are things that you need to watch for and again you know folks monitor their pets very well so i would also say maybe err on the side of caution if you see something that's out of the ordinary uh, might always be a good idea to just get in touch with your vet and see what might be up let's get one more call in before the end of the hour and it goes to jenny in oxford good morning you're on the air with us go ahead hey um i have an older dog and she's not running around as much as she used to um which is causing her nails to overgrow and the quicks kind of grown down as far as I can cut the nails but she's still it's still affecting her and she's limping is there something I can do maybe we'll try to do regular nail trims which you probably do and uh, usually the quick will kind of go back uh, up the other thing would be to get a grinder or a dremel and dremel those nails a little bit once a week or so That'll save you from having to, you know, use a clamp or cut or something real hard. And if you can do that, I think the nail uh, nail bed will go back some. So okay. Try try that. Uh, it doesn't have to be a fancy Dremel. A lot of people have them. Uh, they make some that are commercially available. Uh, from the standpoint of, I think Petty Paws was the name of one. Find one though, test it out first, or at least be sure that it's got enough power. Uh, to grind those nails and smooth them down. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Thanks, Jenny, for your call. You know, one of my favorite pet commercials is there's one little device that, uh, you know, you're supposed to trim your pet's nails with, and on the commercial, the the dog sits there very calmly and quietly <laughs> while this, they're doing this thing, and I'm thinking, I'm not sure that's exactly the way it would happen in real life. But You uh, know, nail trims are, are certainly a, a real problem. To a certain extent, at the clinic, we have some advantage when uh, they're on the exam table and everything. But then we have some dogs, you touch their foot, and they're totally ballistic. They do not uh, crave that. Uh, Dr. Major, this is Java here yeah. in uh, in the booth. We just got an email, and I know we're running out of show. But it says, um, what do you think of the South African Massive, the, the Bora Boa? Borbell. Borbell, there you yeah. go. I, 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 I know a massive is a big dog. <laughs> it is a big dog. Uh, we had a 220-pound uh, 
uh, English Mastiff in uh, the other day for some treatment. But uh, they would be a big dog that would need, I think they're designed for hunting. And uh, it would be a dog that you really would need to keep well trained uh, if you were to have it as a household pet. How would you manage a 220-pound dog? That's, I mean, I don't want to say my weight, but well, you kind of, it's, it's close. You, you, kind of, you kind of have to go in the direction they're going and, <laughs> and, and, and be a little bit smarter. But uh, this dog is a good dog, and that, that's, that's a big plus. And uh, uh, there are some big dogs that aren't good dogs. So you, if, if you have a 200-pound dog that's uh, not a good dog, it's, it's real difficult to deal with. Uh, a quick follow-up on the uh, the nails. You know, I recently, when I came in again, you c- clipped my cat's nails for me because they were getting so long. And when he got that long, he he was getting them stuck in things. And sometimes it was look like he couldn't get his paw loose from right. there. Is right. that anything to worry about that they would pull the full nail out of there? Or, or would that be a concern? Usually with a cat, it pulls the little hole off. Mm-hmm. And that's the reason they like the scratching post is because they will shed those claws. It may, the new claws are a lot sharper or at least very sharp. But that's what they do with that, and it sheds that little claw. I don't think they would hurt pull the whole claw off. Okay, but it did, didn't do well for my sheets and other things he was <laughs> grabbing onto. Right. That's going to wrap us up for today. Creature Comforts is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funding provided in part by generous listeners like you. To hear today's show or previous show, you can find it at mpbonline.org slash Creature Comforts. Our show is produced by Java Chapman, and our call screener today was Liz Gill. So for Dr. Troy Major, I'm Kevin Farrell, inviting you to stay tuned. Up next at 10, it's AutoCorrect with the lady auto mechanic, Allison Walker. We'll be back next Thursday at 9 for another Creature Comforts. It's heard only on MPB Think Radio.